The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org.
is the custom of this congregation to extinguish a candle in honor of a member who passes away. Just this morning, we heard of the loss of Liz Cormier, but we will honor her next week, more appropriately and fully. This Sunday, we honor the loss of Shirley Gibson, who passed away this Thursday morning in the early hours. Shirley, wife of Tim, mother of Georgia and Milo, daughter of Gordon and Judy, beloved by everyone who knew her, except those who were seeking to block fair access to housing to other human beings. Shirley died after a long, long battle with cancer. She was our Reiner Award winner last year for those who take their values valiantly out into the world beyond these walls to sow them into the common good. Most of us saw her last at the installation just almost exactly one month ago. She was a radiant human being, the kind we cannot ever stand to lose, and certainly not sooner than absolutely necessary. Though the candle, symbolic of her earthly life, is extinguished, please join me after I say her name to remember that her spirit and the blessings of her memory and the ripples of her life and work and love is forever present by saying presente. Shirley Gibson, presente. Well, welcome to increasing numbers of family and friends and special visitors, some from as far as Argentina, it turns out, already this morning among those I've met. Welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco. I'm Vanessa Southern. I'm the senior minister. I'm very lucky to be leading worship this morning with Carmen Barsity, who many of you know, but some don't. Carmen is not only a worship associate, but the co-founder of the Faithful Fools Ministry in the Tenderloin, a street-level community that is committed to the practice and reflection around our connections to one another's humanity and what that calls us to do and be more fully in the world. And we drafted Liz Strand to help us out this morning since the service has lots of moving parts. And there were others who helped make this happen. Jim Valent, who I also conscripted this morning, who helped prepare the altars with candles again so that if you feel moved any time in the service, please feel free to come up and light one. We are lucky to have our incredible tech crew making Sunday possible, our coffee hour hosts, and our musicians, many of whom are familiar, who are gonna be bringing to us solos this morning. We have, of course, Reiko Odelaine, who's lifted us into worship this morning on the organ, and Bill Gantz, who is here on piano to lead us in songs throughout the morning. But we wanna thank Nancy Munn and Brielle Marina Nielsen and Leandra Ram and Ben Rudiak Gould and Richard Fay, all singing for us this morning, and Boris Lieberman, who is joining us on the guitar. So a rich Sunday of worship made possible by so many people. I wanna just remind everybody, you all are wearing your masks, thank you. 
you're all fully vaccinated, so I hope that gives you some level of comfort. We just ask you keep your masks on throughout the service. Carmen and I will be taking our masks off. We're antigen tested as of this morning, so for the sermon and the reflection, we'll take our masks off as our COVID advisory team continues to feel comfortable lessening the restrictions. Our singers, our soloists, are with us here in the sanctuary this morning, and they will be singing maskless too, with lots of distance and doors open and air filters, but if any of you feel like you need to move back or even up into the organ loft to feel more safe or comfortable, Please do whatever you need to do to feel safe since we can't guarantee anyone's safety. We wanna make sure that you take full comfort and responsibility in however you are able to be present here in worship. And we're just grateful that you're here. And to our live stream community, we're grateful that you're here too, joining us. Hope we'll get to see you in some form in person sometime soon. This service this morning it's coming at a time of year when in the pagan community it has been believed for centuries that the veil between the living and the dead is thinned for a while and kind of permeable with the celebration of Samhain last week. And we're in the Catholic Church, the celebration of saints and all souls takes place. And in Mexico with Dia de los Muertos, people gather in celebration and connection to those they've lost, gathering in picnics at the grave with favorite foods and a joyful reunion. And so we gather for our service of recognition and mourning and gratitude for those that we have lost. The service this year will be focused mostly on those we've lost in the last year, but we know that grief does not know bounds as it shouldn't because love doesn't. And so I invite you to bring into the space, allow more fully into your hearts this morning, whoever it is who you bring with you and pull them close. There'll be opportunities throughout the service to recognize them. And in that spirit, we bring close those who are in our live stream community, not with us in body, but here with us in spirit, but maybe just calling to all who are with us in spirit. As we begin worship together. So let's, well, oh, one more thing. We'll hum the hymns. We're getting, if COVID continues to show good signs of abating, we will increasingly have more freedoms comfortably. So this morning we'll hum everything, but we'll sing the last hymn, just so you have a little preview of liberation. So our first hymn, which will be hummed here, but sung at home, is the one that Reiko gave us a preview of. It's hymn number 324, where my free spirit onward leads. I invite you to rise and body or spirit or do whatever you need to to enter in joyfully as we celebrate the opening music together.
Good morning. Please join us in reading the unison chalice lighting. We light this chalice for the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the fire of commitment. We light this symbol of our faith as we gather together. Good morning. I am Carmen Barsotti, a worship associate here at UUSF. Thank you for joining us, and you can follow along in the order of service, which is available in the description of this video, and also is emailed to everyone who receives our newsletter, which you can get by signing up through a link to connection form that is in the order of service and video description. The order of service also lists upcoming events and links to opportunities to connect with one another, including our Zoom coffee hour, which takes place after the service. When the weather permits, those who are with us can join in real life coffee hour in our courtyard we just ask that you keep your masks on if you aren't sipping a beverage. Today we will encourage you to look at all the opportunities to be connected and to reach out to deepen your spiritual practice, as well as weave yourself more fully into the web of community and find what you need and ways to serve. So welcome everyone. This is usually the time when we sing our meditation on breathing, but today we will listen to a song, a new meditation on spirit, as we are calling it. And as Vanessa mentioned at the end of this service, we will sing it together as our closing hymn. Let's enter more deeply into worship with our meditation on spirit. Oh 
we are a community not bound by a creed, by a statement of belief, but by the promises we make to each other about how we will be in this religious venture and adventure together. In that spirit, let's say the words of some of those promises that are printed in your order of service. Join with me in saying our covenant. Love is the spirit of this church and service is its prayer. This is our great covenant to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in freedom, and to help one another. invite us into a spirit of meditation. I invite you to breathe deep and set aside the long list of things tying you, tugging at you from just outside these doors. Feel your feet on the floor, your back against whatever chair or pew upholds you, the feel of your clothes, maybe your pajamas, some of you, against your skin, and the ambient sounds of the world, the part of it in which you find yourself this hour. We draw deep into this season of shorter days and longer nights. Winter is coming. <laughs> and the season of autumn is here with its blasts of color, even here in San Francisco. Those blasts of color before leaves set flight from the branches that gave them life 
to decay back into mineral and nutrient. The season tailor made to reflect on the autumn places in our own lives to wonder, standing in the autumn richness, what time of ripeness is over in some piece of our own life and must give way for new beginnings. Who has fallen? Earth to earth, ashes to ashes, life born and lived and released back from life. We used to rake the leaves when I lived in a place of yards and leaves all of them tossed into a big pile and we'd throw the puppy in or a wayward child would fall back into them or we ourselves would rest in them as they tumbled in around and over us. Delighting in them one more time before we took them into the back into a big pile where winter would turn them into mulch. We delight in them even as the trees looked starkly bare for a season afterwards, before new shoots pressed their way into this world. In life, there is all of this too. What are the crisp fallen leaves of this season in your life? What must or has already or will soon fall away? How can you delight in what it is or has been And who or what will keep you company until spring? Bless all of our autumns.
everything that is spirit can steal from the regions of air to revisit passings of delight thou wilt come to Grief. The reality is there will be grief. And you do not know how that will manifest inside of you or what it will look like for others. It isn't something you can prepare for. You will only come to know it as it shows up and it will be different for everyone. Be gentle with yourself and one another. I found myself speaking these words to Alex Dar when he called to tell me that Ian, his brother-in-law, the husband of his sister Karen and father of Jude was killed when he was hit by a vehicle riding his bike on a cross-country venture. When Alex first texted me that morning after receiving the news, he texted, I just needed to tell someone. Though I did not know Ian, I know Alex, and I knew what Alex was telling me. Death had just arrived at his door, at his family's door, 
unannounced. And how does one open to take it in? Though I have experienced many people close to me die, including grandparents and aunts and uncles who I love dearly, it wasn't until my own father died that I became intimately familiar with grief. A presence that took up occupancy within me and slowly seeped into most every cell of my body and mind, dimming the lights of my familiar life force as it moved through me. I really wasn't aware of how pervasive my grief was until its density began to dissipate, like the lifting of a thick fog and I slowly felt an aliveness again. It stayed with me for about six months, and I don't remember welcoming it in, and I don't remember telling it that it was time to go. These past weeks, I've been thinking a lot about death and what it means to remember and honor those who have died. Not only because Alex had called me about Ian's death, but also because we are preparing the annual service for those who have died homeless on the streets of San Francisco and in the residential hotels. Then this week, Sam and I awoke to an early morning heart-wrenching text letting us know that our dear friend Brian Edwards had died the evening before. News of someone dying is often difficult to receive, but the sudden death of someone we just spent time with or received a text from hits you in the gut in the way that your own breath stops for a moment. Only when we start breathing again can we slowly take it in, despite the resistance to do so. How can it be? At the Fool's Court on Hyde Street, we made the street-level lobby into a space of remembrance for Day of the Dead, for All Souls Day. I awoke early on November 2nd and spent more than an hour quietly lighting candles and adding pictures to the window facing the street and placing some on the table inside. I felt the warmth of something familiar, remembering a multitude of moments in my life when I would go into a quiet church and light candles in front of statues of saints or on these big racks that had dozens of candles. I'd light candles in memory of people who had died, sometimes with a, a petition asking them to be with me, 
to give me the strength I needed to get through a moment. At times, asking for a clarity of action. Sometimes the candle was pure thanksgiving for them and for their life. It never ceases to amaze me how the little flicker of a flame can bring forth such immense warmth and presence. A communication of sorts, reaching souls that I can no longer write to or call or sit with. That flame is like a direct line, a connection. Hello, Dad. I sure miss you. Okay, how I wish I could hear your voice. Good morning, everyone. I just want you to know how grateful I am for you and your palpable presence that remains with us. I long to see people who have gone before me, and still I feel them near as I talk to them. I relate to them, not as ones whose lights have gone out, but rather as ones who have passed to a place of eternal light. I light candles before the pictures of people I love, not only on the Day of the Dead, but many, many mornings throughout the year as I awake and begin my day. It is an act of giving and of receiving, of remembering and being remembered. And for all who have died in this past year, in this community, in our circles of family and friends, for Ian and Brian, Ardeth, Liz, Shirley, and all the cloud of witnesses we remember today and every day, I share this prayer we use in our Catholic ritual. Eternal rest, Grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. May they rest in peace. Amen.
last two years have been complicated ones for the work of grieving. Traveling to the places where loved ones are sick or dying has at times been impossible, as has been visiting hospitals or nursing homes, even services impossible for much of the time. So we've adjusted, we've found other means and rituals, Zoom, memorial services, some deciding simply to scatter ashes, some delaying services till they can happen the way the loved one wanted them to. All these ways we have tried to find to move through grief and loss made so much harder. Grief, as Carmen pointed out, is always complicated and has its own pace. Well, we'll try and find a ritual here as part of its unfolding together. As many of you know, I asked for you to send a photo and a couple sentences about someone that you wanted us to recognize. And I need to say up front that in the La Brea tar pit of email, I am sure, actually already as of this morning, I know one that's there. And so I apologize for things that weren't found with easy searches. I apologize in advance if Carmen or I mispronounce a name. There will be time at the end of the service for those of you who didn't send in a name or where it was missed to speak the name out loud. And there's a table down below if you brought an object or a photo by chance that you wanted to lay on our shared altar of honoring for you to do so. And throughout the service, after we read the name of the person who is lost for the last time, we just ask you to join us in calling them here, present in spirit, by saying with us, presente. We lost many members this year while we were apart. The collective effects of that are only now apparent as we are back together. We lost member Ken Keep. On the chancel this morning is the first of the 2,000 ties, the one that started his collection. His jacket from young adult group that he and others started, which they called the Rufus P. Cutler Marching Society, named after the least known minister in the congregation's history. Beloved for his smile and good humor, known at a distance by his Hawaiian shirts, keenly felt in his absence as part of the welcoming squad that would make church home. Can keep presente. Ardeth Fortier, mother of Carrie Steer Salazar, died at home on October 25th. She was 92. Ardeth was a beloved mother to six children and five grandchildren, one of the founders of the Grant Pass Oregon Unitarian Fellowship back in the early 1950s, and a longtime member here who sang in the choir and loved to sit and watch Reiko play the organ. Ardeth Fortier, presente.
Bill Wise was born in 1940 in New York State. A chemist by training, Bill worked in an army laboratory in Colorado during the Vietnam War and discovered the UU Church there. When he moved to San Francisco, he joined this church. The church held weekly folk dances and it was in the Thomas Starr King Room that Bill met Angie. They danced together. They found they not only loved dancing, but also hiking and camping and each other. Bill and Angie were married, and their son Douglas was born in 1979. In his career, Bill was ultimately promoted to chemist in charge at the USDA. In his retirement, life included Bill and Angie's active and omnipresent life here, where their vibrant partnership became part of the backdrop to their life and ours. Bill passed away on August 17th with his wife and son beside him. Bill Wise, Presente. Ruth Elizabeth McIntyre was born, born in 1934 on a seventh generation farm in Pennsylvania where she learned a down to earth work ethic, a spirit of care and cooperation and community. Ruth got a robust education and even graduated from the Coro Foundation's public affairs training for women and taught elementary school Later, she'd focus on work in the community, and by the end of her life, the number of organizations she had served, helped found, supported, and advocated for was legion. Ruth would marry Bruce Morris Cowan, and they would find their way to San Francisco and this church. In recent years, she would sit a few rows back by the aisle. I'd make sure to greet her when we greeted one another in service. Drawn by her big smile, her loving presence, and her reliably encouraging words. Ruth died somewhat surprisingly on August 29th of this year, just after her daughter, son-in-law, and grandson had relocated permanently to spend more time with her. She's sorely missed. Ruth Cowan, presente. The Reverend John Marsh. John was born in 1955 in Brockton, Massachusetts, raised Unitarian Universalist, and in 1976 was ordained a minister in this faith. John served this congregation from 1995 to 2004 in a co-ministry with Reverend Margot Campbell Gross our minister emerita. John's warmth was palpable and under his and Margot's leadership, not only was the church revitalized, but dangerous structural weaknesses in the sanctuary were identified and an enormous earthquake retrofit was successfully undertaken. John was serving the UU congregation in New Haven, Connecticut and recovering from a stroke when he died on June 6th of this year. He leaves behind his wife, Allison, and children, James, 
Aiden and Robin, and grandchildren, Daniel and Nina. John Marsh, Presente. This year, the congregation also lost Francis Lee, an outspoken, regular presence in the congregation's life, whose own life navigated many complex struggles. Francis Lee, Presente. And our hearts go out to Melissa Farfarman, whose husband Dave passed away after a long health struggle with Melissa as a regular member of the caregiver's circle, finding support for that hard role that we will all be called to play at some point or many points in our lives, some of us more than others. Dave Farfarman, presente. Longtime member Barbara Mason died this year and her funeral was attended by members of this congregation. Barbara actually was our very first volunteer uh, bookkeeper at Faithful Fools. And Barbara moved to Ukiah about 12 years ago and has had health struggles in recent years. Our thoughts are with her daughter, Rocky. Barbara Mason, presente. Mary Castiglia informed us of the death of Adelma Low Prest at the age of 106. Adelma and Mary were on the SCW Scholarship Committee for many years. Adelma was married in this church and her husband was moderator in the 50s. Adelma Low Prest, presente. I invite us now to sing or hum Spirit of Life.
Lynette Deanna Steed McCauley was a cherished wife and mother and grandmother and aunt and sister and friend. She passed away on April 17th last year. Lynette was retired from Kaiser Permanente after a 42-year career as a leader in healthcare information management, and yet the medical establishment failed her. In heartbreaking ways, her legacy of strength and resilience lives on in her daughter Christina and grandsons Liam and Sterling. However, our offering this morning is taken in her honor. In her honor, we're supporting the Black Women's Health Imperative. You can read more about its effort to bring justice and effectiveness to all people in our healthcare system. And it speaks deeply of our values to plow them into this effort. And so I invite you, those of you who are here, as you leave this morning, there are baskets in the lobby. There's our online giving system, which you can use now, and those of you at home, or you can send checks. Next week, we'll report back on how our efforts to support that are bearing fruit. And I encourage you to read more about it. Lynette Diana Steed Macaulay, presente. No dejar 
Others in this congregation suffered hard personal losses that we call into this circle of community where joys are doubled, where when we lean into one another, we hope sorrows, if not halved, can be lessened. Christopher Rodriguez shares the hard summer his family had. His mother, Claudia Joyce, passed in June after a convalescence from a fall. She regularly attended our services during lockdown and he was able to see her in the spring when they were both vaccinated. She loved being a mother and a grandmother. Claudia Joyce, presente. And in August, two days before his 48th birthday, Christopher's middle brother, Patrick Rodriguez, died of a pulmonary embolism. He'd moved to Sonora with his wife and two boys to a bed and breakfast that they acquired in 2019. He was a great artist and loved his family intensely. Patrick Rodriguez, presente. Betsy Jack and Alex Dar, Kirsten Hove and Luna and William, ask that we remember Ian Mauser, husband of Karen Dar and father of Jude Mauser, age six, who died on October 14th, 2021, while on a bike ride in Arizona. Ian was a deeply compassionate and creative person who dedicated his life to using music to heal, touching the lives of over 14,000 young people through the organization he founded in Portland, My Voice Music. Ian Mauser, Presente. Debbie Wu lost her grandfather, James Wong, who passed away at age 90 this last spring. James Wong was a good-natured, artistic, and physically fit man who was well-loved by his family and friends. James Wong, presente. Catherine McGinnity, daughter-in-law of Linda Anger, passed away on January 12th of this year. Catherine was an accomplished professional dancer and deeply loved teacher. She was a creative spirit who enriched the lives of all who knew her. Linda and her son, Christopher Griffin, mourn her death and celebrate her life every day. Catherine McGinnity. Stephanie Gowan asks us to remember her father, Jerry Leonard Allen, who passed away on January 15th of 2021. He was a Navy pilot and one of the first African-American pilots for American Airlines. In San Carlos, Jerry Leonard Allen became active in civil rights and community engagement, particularly at the local level. He was a great storyteller with a somewhat complicated and challenging personality. No one can deny he was interesting. Jerry Leonard Allen, presente. And Mary Castiglia asks that we remember her daughter, Diane, who died after 9-11. Mary is grateful for the time 
and remembers the lovely years I was able to share with my daughter. Diane Castiglia, presente. Meg Whitaker Green asks us to acknowledge the death of James Kenner Whitaker. James was an attorney at law, but more importantly, the former husband of Meg and father of Hillary, Courtney, and Kimberly. James died June 2, 2021, in Indiana. Nicknamed the Gov, he died surrounded by family. James Kenner Whitaker, presente. Also significant to the Whitaker family was the death of Reverend Ron Cook this past July. Ron was a UU minister and professor at Star King School for the Ministry for many years until 1978. Ron lived and died in the house he designed and built in Big Sur that was a refuge that he provided for Meg's family for many years. Ron was the adult male who was present for Meg's daughters who had an absent father, Meg writes for his love and his constancy, Ron Cook, Presente. Carrie Parker asks that we remember her stepmother, Thea Park of Prescott, Arizona, who passed away rather suddenly back in March. I miss her almost daily. She's just not there at the other end of the phone line anymore. Thea Park, Presente. The ripples of loss echo back into time and space. Marty Vanderlyn asked us to remember his father, grandfather of Vanessa Vanderlyn, Justin D. Vanderlyn, and also to remember Vanessa's mother, Patricia Post. A photo on the altar was taken during happier times at Lake Tahoe. Justin Vanderlyn and Patricia Post, presente. And we call into this space the Reverend Kay Jorgensen, who was social justice minister of this congregation, co-founder of Faithful Fools and of Up on Top After School Program, steward of street-level experiential learning, Kay found a way to acknowledge the illusionary walls that separate human beings. Her work affirmed that embodied justice and compassion can happen on a daily basis, quietly, personally, emotionally, and with the highest standards of humanity. Her spirit lives on in all who take up that work and the spirit of presence. Kay Jorgensen, Presente. Jean Yuhas, the sister of Nancy Noah Bear, passed away on November 26, 2019. She was known for her loving and generous spirit and her fabulous sense of humor. She made friends wherever she went and always had a good time. Jean Yuhas, presente. Kristen Stevens asks us to remember Doug Coates, good friend and ally. You'll be greatly missed, Doug Coates. Presente. 
our two most recent losses, intimate ones, for Carmen and for Vanessa. In Goa, India, on October 29th, Naomi Nirmala Mascarenas Imanesis passed away. Naomi was a force of life, outspoken, the founder of India's first design magazine, a reporter for the Times of India, a lover of history and culture, and a storyteller par excellence. She was also a source of unconditional love. Her family misses her greatly. Naomi Nirmala Mascarenas Emanesis. Presente. And on November 3rd, San Francisco lost Brian Edwards. Brian, who centered his life in struggling in solidarity with folks on the streets, who worked closely with the Coalition on Homelessness, Faithful Fools, and other organizations, anything to ensure folks on the street got their needs met. Brian was a larger-than-life personality with a wicked sense of humor, a sharp analysis, and a nose for sniffing out injustices, which he never left alone. His biggest quality, however, was his heart, which he wore unapologetically on his shirt sleeves and which was enormous. Some people live a hole so big you'd think the world would fall in around them when they're gone. We've lost a few of those this year. Brian Edwards, presente. And thanks to some careful notes by members of our pastoral care team, Gina Fortunato, we know of other losses you have mentioned. Not exhaustively, they include that Sue Anthony and the loss of her brother David this year, Laura Davis, who lost her brother Hamilton, Dennis Adams, who lost his mother Anita, and Gino himself, who lost his cousin Erna McGrady and close friends Robert Macario and Daryl Legasson. For these named, we call out Presente. And recognizing that all of you, many of you, may have names they wish to call in this space and in this hour. We ask you to speak them aloud or write them in the chat. When we are done, we will say words of blessing and call them present in this space. Please say the names of those you would like to recognize and honor. in honor of all those whose names have been mentioned and those names unmentioned but held in our hearts, we say together, Presente.
So this song is dedicated to my mother-in-law, who, when we got married in New Orleans, uh, had already gone into hospice, and she passed away three days later. So our New Orleans wedding turned into a wedding and a funeral. His aunt Stella, her sister and best friend, introduced me to the song Biloxi by Jesse Winchester. She said that she and Trista used to dream that he wrote that song about them when they were playing in the Gulf. It's bittersweet, but mostly beautiful. And our daughters are named Trista and Stella after them. Down around Biloxi Pretty girls are dancing In the sea They all look like sisters In the ocean
And I'll just say that the reason the service is long because normally what lies on the cutting room floor of a worship doesn't feel super important, but when what lies on the cutting room floor is a sentence about a person's life, there's only so many you can cut. That's my excuse. Of course, none of us knows what happens after we die. David Eagleman, a neuroscientist, wrote a book that maybe some of you read years ago called Sum, S-U-M, 40 Tales from the Afterlives. Each of the short essays was one different imagining of the afterlife. There was one called Subjunctive, in which you meet all the other versions of yourself that could have been the ones who were a little less diligent, the ones who went to the gym every single day. And you can decide whether that might be heaven or hell, or just interesting. And there's another in which everyone continues on, all of us continue on in another realm, laughing and talking in one big party, but we, of course, leave our bodies behind. And the body, he says, feels a bit, bit like a cast after the cast party, having just gone through this incredible dramatic bonding and then acknowledging, sadly, it's over. Eagleman writes, when you die, you're grieved by all the atoms of which you were composed. They hung together for years, whether in sheets of skin or communities of spleen, and when with your death, they do not die. Instead, they part ways, moving off their separate directions, mourning the loss of the special time they shared together, haunted by the feeling that they were once playing parts in something larger than themselves, something that had its own life, something they can hardly put their finger on. But also, another imagining begins with the naturalist version, all of us, degrading back into life, sent out in oxygen molecules and beyond this universe, but then eventually missing each other and their connection and return every millennia or so to reconstitute you and then start to yearn for their freedom and break apart again. All these visions Personally, I find death completely incomprehensible. The most natural thing in the world, but also as incomprehensible as the other most natural thing, birth. Maybe more so, right? Because in death, there is this whole entity with a history and a personality and emotions and secrets. An unfinished business sometimes and in he or she or they are there one moment, one breath, and then gone. And even though we know so much of them remains, an enormous amount vanishes in that moment. I am much more with Edna St. Vincent Millay in her Dirge Without Music, if you know the poem where she writes, I am not resigned to the shutting away of loving hearts in the hard ground. So it is and so it will be, for so it has been time out of mind. With the lilies and laurels they go, but I am not resigned. 
Maybe all that lack of resignation is why this week my mother-in-law gone, Shirley Gibson gone, Ardeth Fortier gone, so many gone. Back in a building, back here in community, and so missing them, Bill Wise and Ruth Cowan and Ken Keep and Francis Lee, and so many who we lost while we were apart, and so the loss didn't really sink in. All these gorgeous life forces gone, I find myself deeply grieving and struggling to figure out a way to move through just the frustration of all this loss. And I'll tell you the one thing that has kept me going. <laughs> it's a photo that Courtney Young Law took at the family Halloween picnic last Sunday afternoon. It has me in my silly costume holding a baby who turned one this week, Sterling Hamner, who lost his grandmother before he was born, who came into this world in this wild last year, smiling at my masked face, the most beautiful baby smile you have seen. I've kept it on my desktop, on my computer, this gorgeous baby whose brother is also a wonderful life force, and all of the kids who were at this picnic with their thoughts and their jokes and their opinions and their observations and their costumes, all of reminding me, actually, of what has come into this world recently when so much I love has gone out. And not in some abstract way, these flesh and blood human beings to love. All of it epitomized this week in one bundle of scrumptious babydom that I can't wait for you to meet. <laughs> not because it's going to pry my fingers off of the losses I feel or force me to let go of who we have lost, but so that my heart can start to think of the ways to reach beyond grief just a little. When talking about Eagleman's book with some friends recently, one of them asked aloud, what do you say when someone asks you what you think happens after we die? And one of the people in the conversation said, I tell people I don't think we know, so think of what your fondest wish is of what happens after this life and believe it, because it might actually be true. And another said, I just say that the thing I hold on to is that a life may end, but the ripples don't. Indeed. UU Kenneth Collier perhaps put it best when he wrote, I do not know where we go when we die, and I do not know what the soul is or what death is, or when, or why. What I know is that the song once sung cannot be unsung, and the life once lived cannot be unlived, and the love once loved cannot be unloved. In other words, a life may end, but its ripples do not. This morning is proof enough of that. Life, a 
force unseen but felt and shared and wielded and passed along the lives we've said farewell to this year, these forces, these tsunamis of life and love and character gone in body. And we are not resigned to that. But still cascading across this earth's surfaces, carrying us with it. Ripples beyond our vision. For all those we love, and we have called into this space today, let us say once again, presente, siempre, fuerzas de amor. Spirit of comings and our goings, may the light of love shine upon us. Out from within us be gracious unto us and grant us peace. And peace for all we have named. For this is the day and this is the life we are given. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen.
The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org.